Nope, we don't need to speed up the process. We don't need to nuke this. You know why? Because this is the non-microwave truth. I am CL Whiteside. Thanks for tuning in today. If this is your first time, this is a podcast that is going to challenge culture's truth and perspective. And we're starting off with a first word problem today that I kind of got or inspired from seeing something on TikTok. It might have been Instagram. It was a real. And it was a young lady talking about how often she talks to her mom and what does the average person talk to their mom? Is it one time a day? Is it two times a day? Is it five times a week? She was like, I talk to my mom like 10 times in a day. And I'm like, what? 10 times in a day. Now, I know some people out there like that. I'm not going to name you who talk to their mama over each and every little thing. She's like, I talk to my mama if it's an inconvenience. I talk to my mama if it's traffic on the freeway. I talk to my mama if I'm going to the doctor, in the doctor and out of the doctor. It's like, dog. I, I'm not like that. I'm cut from a different cloth. I mean, I maybe I do need to do a better job of talking to my parents. But the reason that this popped up in my head is because researching and getting ready for this episode, King David, young David, was talking about how he had killed a lion and a bear when he was a teenager, when he was, you know, maybe 17, 18 years old. And I just thought to myself, like, if I killed a lion and a bear, would I tell my parents about it? And that is our first word problem question. Do you think David told his parents that he killed a lion and a bear? And if he did, do you think his parents believed him? Because, man, I could see a whole bunch of mamas, including my mama, like, uh-uh, my baby can't be a shepherd anymore. I don't want you fighting them lions and them bears. Uh-uh, don't do it. Like, I'm a man. This is what I do. And I know some of y'all mamas, some of y'all women out there would not let your little babies, even though they're not babies, they're young adults, young men. You'd be like, you got to stop being a shepherd because I don't want you fighting and coming toe-to-toe with a lion and a bear. Now, this is our first world problem question, though. Do you think David told his parents about killing a lion and a bear? And do you think his parents believed him if he did tell them? Remember, I would love to hear from you on Instagram or Twitter, YouTube. My handle is championlife23, and this is our first world problem. It is dinner time. The title of our episode today is Believe in Yourself. Psych. Like how many times do you hear people say you just need to believe in yourself? I presented on leadership a week ago, and that was a concept that we kind of talked about. You know, I, I had this picture up or a phrase that was like the difference between a chump and a champ is you. And then I, ha- I talked about how in a lot of times when people want more freedom, you actually need more discipline. But when you think about those two concepts of work harder or you want more freedom, get more discipline. The difference between a champ and a chump is you. We're putting it all on ourselves then. And as Christians, that's not necessarily the case. In fact, with God's grace and God's love is actually the exact opposite. We get God, we get God's grace and love because he just wants to give it to us. And it's actually free. There's no catch. There's nothing that uh, is attached to it like that. And that just made me think about this whole entire concept of believing yourself. Believing yourself. Because Is that a message we really should be telling each other, telling ourselves all of the time? And in a lot of cases, it's not. We're going to look at that today in in this episode. And I know sometimes that some of us can't believe in ourselves because we can't get over past mistakes. We we just can't get over it. We see all of the obstacles. We see all of the challenges. And we like, I I just can't believe in myself. Um, Some of us, we start to think that those obstacles and those challenges are bigger than, than our God. And for some of us, We believe in ourselves, but it's to a fault. And we start to have an ego that is way too big, an ego that we think like, I don't need God. 
I did this myself. I'm him. I'm that dude. I can do whatever I want. And we're going to look at some people in the Bible who had this idea of believing in themselves. But a lot of times it was misconstrued. There is a group that we are going to look at that had the proper belief and how we should model ourselves and believing in ourselves. And on this episode of Believe in Yourself, Psych, I first want to look at Moses. Now, Moses is a product of looking at his past shortcomings, his past mistakes, his past or his current flaws and saying, you know what? I can't be the leader that God wants me to be. When you think about the first third of Moses's life, the first 40 years of his life, Moses had it good. Like Moses was raised by the most powerful nation in the world, Egypt. And he was a Hebrew Hebrew. He was an Israelite. Remember, he was raised under Pharaoh's daughter. So I just imagine if I was Moses and I'm thinking the first the first third of my life, I'm like, dude, I'm, I'm that dude. I'm him. And I, I couldn't help but guess that Moses probably was a confident, good looking dude. He's like, why do you think he was a good looking dude? Because it said he was a good looking baby. So I wouldn't imagine that he'd be a good looking baby and then all of a sudden be an ugly adult. I mean, sometimes it happens, but I, I don't see that in this case. So I see Moses being a confident dude who probably thought, you know what, I'm going to be a revolutionary leader. And you think about the energy that that teenagers and 20 year olds have and even 30 year olds have is like to make a change. But something happened in Moses's life. And the reason I do think that Moses thought he was going to be a great leader is because how many times when you read the Bible, it talks about Moses and it says like my people or my fellow Israelites. And the example that I'm thinking about or especially of why I think he thought he was going to be a great leader is because Moses killed Moses killed an Egyptian man when he saw an Egyptian man oppressing one of his fellow Hebrews and he hit him in the sand. And I think about how many times in our life when we have these plans and we have these big goals and we have these big ideas to be some revolutionary leader or, or something great. And then all of a sudden it takes a turn that we didn't necessarily expect it to turn. And our belief, our, our low key arrogance, our low key confidence just gets gets zapped from us and we don't know what to do. Now, we see that God comes back to Moses later in his life and says, Moses, I want you to be that revolutionary leader. But you know how old Moses was then? He was like 80 years old. So this is would be the last third of his life where all of a sudden God is like, hey, now is your time to be that leader. But what happened in the second third of Moses' life? The second third of Moses' life for 40 years, Moses was a shepherd. So when God came to him and said, Moses, it's time to believe in yourself. It's time to believe in me. Moses was like, nah, bro, I'm content being a shepherd. I do not want to lead these people. I do not have the gifts. I do not have the skills to do this. And this is what it says in Exodus chapter three. This is God talking to Moses. It says, so now go. I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? So that would be like us going to the president of the United States and requesting a meeting. He like, I, I can't do this. And you got to remember if he killed a man and the reason he fled from Egypt is because he pretty much was a felon. He was a fugitive. He's like, Pharaoh wanted to kill me. That's why I had to leave. It didn't go as I had planned. It didn't, it didn't make sense to me. I, I got to go. And God said, I will be with you. And this will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. Chapter four, it just talks about how Moses answers. And Moses says, well, what if the people don't listen to me? And he's like, did the Lord not appear to you? And he's like, Moses, I'm going to give you three signs. The first sign is this. You see that staff that's in your hand? Throw it down on the ground. Moses throws it down on the ground. It's like, ah, because it turned into a snake. And God's like, bro, just, just grab it by the tail and it turns back into a staff. He says, here goes your second sign. Take your hand, 
put it in your cloak. Pull it back out. His hand was white as snow. It was leprous. He says, all right, Moses, if they don't believe the first sign, they don't believe the second sign. Here goes the third sign. Take some water from the Nile River. Take the water, put it on the ground. It is going to be blood. They'll believe you. Look at how Moses responds, though. Moses in verse 10 says, pardon your servant, Lord. I have never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. So all of a sudden, Moses starts looking at his weaknesses. And that's something we got to realize. God can take our weaknesses and use it to glorify him. The Lord said to him, who gave human beings their mouths? Who makes them deaf or mute? Who gives them sight or makes them blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, I will help you speak and will teach you what to say. But Moses said, pardon your servant, Lord. Please send somebody else. So all of a sudden, Moses was once a, a very confident person. His confidence probably was in the wrong thing. It, it, I could say it was in the wrong thing. And now we see that his confidence is not even in God. Moses lacks believing in himself and he lacks believing in God. Eventually he goes and do, does it. But that's something I think all of us battle with at times when we've had different things in our past happen and things don't go the way that we want them to go. We can believe because of what God has done. All right. On this episode of Believe in Yourself, Psych, we got to look at Solomon because Solomon is one of those prime examples of God given talent. And Solomon actually is a great person to model of asking for the right thing with God through prayer. And it says this in first King chapter three. God's like, you can have anything you want. And you know what Solomon says he wants? Solomon says that he wants wisdom. It says the Lord appeared to Solomon during the night in a dream. And God said, ask for whatever you want me to give you. This is Solomon's response to him. He don't ask for money. He don't ask for fame. He says, so give your servant a discerning heart to govern your people and to distinguish between right and wrong. For who was able to govern this great people of yours? Who was able to govern the great people of yours? He had his focus on, on God and his belief was in his God. That God knew it was best to give him. He wanted to use that to fulfill his purpose and to glorify God's kingdom. He was so wise. He was so smart that later on, and you, you should definitely just read this whole chapter. It talks about when two women come to him, one of them had lost their child and they're both saying like, this is my baby now. This is my baby. Can you decide who should get the baby? And he does something that's super just like wise and unique to figure out who was really the mother of that child. Like this is how wise Solomon was. He was that dude in that regards. In first Kings, we're going to fast forward a little bit. His wisdom and his God given talents had become so known that even though he didn't ask for fame, he became famous. It says the queen of Sheba heard about the fame of Solomon and his relationship to the Lord. And she came to test Solomon with hard questions, with hard questions. And you know what Solomon did with all those questions? He killed him. He answered all those questions. Now, this is where we have to be careful. Remember, these are God given talents. Sometimes we start to think that the talent is made by us when in reality it's, it's from God. Like I couldn't walk if God didn't want me to walk. I couldn't talk. I could. I wouldn't wake up like it is God given. And this is something I got from a book called Ego is the Enemy. It says success needs sobriety or it can kill us. Success is a drug. Ego is self-anointing when the only thing that should be anointed is actually God. So when you think about the talents that you do have, the things that make you special, the things that re the reasons that people praise or glorify you, are you starting to eat that up too much where you start to think like I'm that dude, I'm him. And I think this had to happen to Solomon. 
in some form or fashion. It's like, well, why do you say that? Because Solomon, it's like, I can do whatever I want. Solomon has 700 wives, 700 wives and 300 concubines. That's a thousand women, a thousand women that he had. So for the dude, sometimes it's like, you know, I'm a man. I need more than one woman. Dude, if, if a thousand women couldn't please him, that means one woman couldn't because you know what? He was ruled by the flesh in this moment. And because of this, because he allowed his talents to go to his head, head, he made these bad choices to have all these different women. Because he had all these different women, he got led astray. And because of that, God had to humble him. And that's something that we got to be aware of and make sure that we're not falling prey to. Looking at our talents and thinking that we can do this without God. The only reason we have these talents, the only reason you have those gifts or abilities is because of God allowing you to have it. Now, we got to look at his papa. We got to look at, at Solomon's dad, King David. Now, King David actually starts off with the right perspective. Now, the part that I'm going to read to you, it make it, it seems at first like maybe David is a little cocky or maybe he's a little arrogant because if you remember David, when he first got in the game, he fought Goliath. And you think about this. He was a young man when this happened. And you got to think all these other men wanted no parts of Goliath. They were scared. They was like, oh, I'm not fighting, dude. This is a giant. I don't know, nine, 10 feet tall, like too big, great warrior, not messing with him. And David's response, and you got to remember, David's brothers even got ticked off at him. And David's response make it seems might might appear as though he was confident in himself, but he gives the credit to the right person. And it says in 1 Samuel 17, this is David breaking it down to, to King Saul on why he could fight the giant and why he wasn't scared. Where was his belief? Listen to this. It says, when a lion or bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by his hair, struck it and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. So David has killed a lion and a bear as a young man, a lion and a bear. I don't know about y'all. Y'all, some of y'all probably can't even get the fish off the hook. I've seen some of y'all before. It goes on to say this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. Now, here it goes. This is where he really had his faith and belief at. He said, the Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion. And the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. So even though his obstacle, even though his challenge looked enormous, it was a giant. He really didn't believe in himself. He believed in God and what God could empower him to do. And he looked at the track record of God showing up and showing out for him. And that's something we got to remind ourselves to do. Sometimes we look at our obstacles and our challenges and be like, I can't do this. You're right. You can't. But the fact is, our God can do it and look at his track record. Look at what he has done for you. Look at him when he has showed up and showed out for you a numerous amount of times. I can guarantee it. Now, his perspective over the years seems to change. And maybe that's because of all the success that he had. Maybe that's because of all the victories that he had. Maybe because all of a sudden he had people praising him and telling him how awesome he was and he was the greatest king ever. But David has a time where he stays home when he should have been out fighting a war and he stayed home and he happened to see a baddie in his backyard. A baddie is a beautiful woman and a.k.a. Miss Thickums probably. And he, he looks and because he looks and he allows his his eyes to run, he makes a wrong turn. And I think this is due to to arrogance and him not being where he was supposed to be. Second Samuel chapter 11 says this. It says in the spring at the time when kings go off to war, 
David sent Joab out with his king's men and the whole Israelite army. They destroyed the Ammonites and besieged Rabbah. But David remained in Jerusalem. So did you catch that in the springtime when kings go off to war? What was David doing? David was chilling. He was at the crib. He sent someone else to fight a battle that he was supposed to be fighting. And that's something even though we have belief in our God, when God tells you to go do something, that doesn't mean you should have faith in somebody else because he appointed you to do what you are supposed to do. Now, with David, what we see is it's one thing to be content. It's another to be complacent or to be lazy. And it says, it goes on to say, one evening, David got up from his bed and walked around on the roof of the palace. And I just want to stop right there. I was like, I wonder, did he get up to walk around and just to be like, man, look at all this I got, baby. Look at all this I've done. Look at this nation that I've built. I don't know. It, it doesn't say. Was he up because he felt he felt uneasy because he's like something not right, you know, I, and maybe it was uneasy or not right because he was supposed to be fighting a war that he wasn't he wasn't fighting. The Bible doesn't tell us it doesn't say that. But what it does go on to say, it says from the roof, he saw a woman bathing. So he walked around the roof of his palace looking around, I guess. And oh, my gosh, who is that? Who is that? It says the woman was very beautiful and David sent someone to find out about her. The man says she is Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam and the wife of Uriah the Hittite. Now, this is just I think this is just a fact of life. One, David had multiple wives already. Two, when you find out this is somebody else's wife, he was really part of the TYG, take your girl crew. Like that's one of the most arrogant things you could, you could possibly do. And David really lacked humility at this stage in his life. And Romans chapter 12, verse three tells us about being humble. It says, for by the grace given me, I say to everyone of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought. David definitely was thinking of himself more highly than he thought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. Because you know what David did then? David then sent messengers to get her. She came to him and he slept with her. He hit. He had sex with her. Then she went back home. Now, it appears that David lost track of who he was believing in. He definitely believed in God and felt that he was empowered by God when he was younger. But as time goes on, and this is something for all of us, the times that I have felt invincible, the times that I have felt successful, the times that I have felt like I'm powerful and it's about me. Those are the times I've done some of the dumbest things in my life, the times I have felt invincible and that I could get myself out of any problem. And what you see with David is he had a problem and he didn't just stop right there. He had a whole cover up scheme, a whole cover up scheme. He has sex with Bathsheba. She gets pregnant. He doesn't stop right there and just say, man, let me just come out clean. Then he kills her husband, has him um, carry out his own death sentence, puts him in the front of the line, doesn't tell him. The army starts battling. He dies Then he takes her as his wife. And so he can look good in, fr in front of the public eye. But it was like, man, problem after problem after problem. And that's something that we have sometimes when we start to think that it's all about us and our belief is in ourselves when it's not psych. And he went too far. He did way too much. He did not have his belief in God. And it wasn't until the prophet Nathan came to him and he took himself out of the situation that he could see that, man, I've been having my belief in the wrong place. I need to put it back in God. I need to repent. And I need to change. All right. The last group that I want to look at on this episode of Believe in Yourself, Psych, are the spies of Israel. And this was at a time when Moses appointed 12 spies to go into the land of Canaan. They didn't have the land of Canaan yet. 
The Hebrews did not have the land yet, but they were going to go and give a report. They were supposed to come back and give a report to Moses and tell him how the land was. Now, he has 12 spies do this. You have one group of spies who are going to be completely different from another group, which is Caleb and Joshua. So it was 10 against two. And this is what it says. These are the spies. I was the, the 10 spies. You'll see what report they gave. Numbers chapter 13, verse 20, starting at verse 27. It says, we went into the land to which you sent us. And it does flow with milk and honey. Here is its fruit. But the people who live there are powerful and the cities are fortified and very large. We even see descendants of Anak there. Now, some verses later, this is the new, this is the NLT version. It says, we can't go up against them. They are stronger than we are. So they spread this bad report about the land among the Israelites. The land we travel through and explore will devour anyone who goes to live there. All the people we see were huge. We even saw giants there. So they not only didn't have faith in themselves, they did not have belief in themselves, but they missed what, what God said. And this is something for us to just realize the challenges and the obstacles and the giants that we face in life. They are not bigger than our God. They are absolutely not bigger than our God. But in that moment, it feels like that. And that's where I always like to say our feelings, feelings aren't facts. And they definitely didn't believe in themselves. And if they did believe in themselves, they understood, like, I'm a lot smaller than him. And I'm going to just do the math. The math ain't math. And I, I can't beat him. He's way bigger than me, stronger than me, faster than me. I can't do it. So their belief was in themselves when it really should have been in God. Now, let's look at Caleb and Joshua, their response. They saw the same giants. They saw the same land. They, they kept it a buck, though. They was like, the land is awesome. They said, let's go and take the land at once. Like, let's go do it. We can certainly conquer it. Now, they weren't believing in themselves, though, you know, they understood that they were smaller and lesser than the people that they saw. But they were believing in God. They knew that their God was bigger than any man, any group, any nation. Their God was bigger. Now, in Numbers chapter 14, the people rebel and the people just get to talking stupid. And this is what happens sometimes when you put your belief in the wrong place. The people heard about this report, heard about the land um, being OK, even though that was a lie. But they more so heard about how the people there were giants and the people there were great warriors. And you know what they said? They were like, dude, why did you bring us here, Moses? I can't believe it's like this is horrible. Our children are going to end up becoming slaves. We might as well go back to Egypt. Egypt. Do you, do you understand Egypt? That means they were saying, let's go back to slavery and work stupid hard and get beat. Like that makes no sense. But because they had their belief in the wrong places, this made them talk absolutely stupid, absolutely stupid. And they only could see their challenges. They only could see their ch the, the obstacles. They only could see what was seemed to seem so big to them. They couldn't see God through this because the, the noise that they were listening to was just too much for them. It says the land we passed through and explored is exceedingly good. If the Lord is pleased with us, this is Caleb and Joshua talking. They said. He will lead us into that land, a land flown with milk and honey, and it will and he will give it to us. Only do not rebel against the Lord and do not be afraid of the people of the land because we will devour them. Little dudes talking big like we're going to devour them. Their protection is gone. But the Lord is with us. I'm going to say that again. The Lord is with us. Do not be afraid of them. Do not be afraid of them. So opposite ends of the spectrum right here. Two different groups. Both of them see the obstacles. Both of them see the challenges. Both of them see the, the giants that they have to face. One group says, this is too much. I can't do it. My God can't do it. The other group says, yeah, yeah, they big. The bigger they are, the harder they follow. We got God on our side. 
And their belief was in themselves. Their belief was in, in God. They understood that they could believe in themselves because God had had empowered them to do some great things. And just think about that. How many times in our life are we told to believe in ourselves? You can believe in yourself if you understand where your power, where your where your grace, where your strength is, is coming from. And the idea of believing in yourself, and I'm going to wrap this up, the idea of believing in yourself as Christians, we have to understand that we have the spirit of God with us. Then God gives us and equips us with the spirit of God and the spirit does not make us timid. This is second Timothy one verse seven. The spirit does not make us timid, but the spirit gives us power. It gives us love. It gives us self-discipline. So think about that. You have the ability the power because the spirit of God is in you. You have the ability to love like no other because the spirit of God is in you. You have the ability to be self-disciplined because the spirit of God is in you. And this is something that our God has equipped us with. So when we have that confidence and when we believe in ourselves, it's actually a belief that we have in Christ and what he has done for us and the victory that he has granted every single one of us believers and children of God. And I just want to leave you with this passage from Isaiah 40 verse 31. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. You can believe in yourself as a Christian because of what God has done for you. But don't get it twisted. Believing in ourselves is really believing in Christ and trusting and having that hope that he has given us everything that we need. He's given us the power. He's given us the love and he's given us the self-discipline to be great and be great for him. And this is the non-microwave truth. Thanks for joining me on this episode of Believe in Yourself, Psych. And if you have loved this episode, liked this episode, thought it was cool, think about someone who's, who's battling with, with confidence, just remind them that our confidence and our hope comes from Christ and what he has done for us. And that's something that we all can claim as Christians. Peace punch, Captain Crunch. Say no to drugs and yes to Jesus. I am out.